the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. This is New Generation Declassified, and you're listening to an all-new New Generation Declassified here exclusively on the two-man power trip of wrestling, podcasting, empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and every single week we take that journey back in time. We go back to the new generation, the years of the World Wrestling Federation that we all love so much, and it's so near and dear to our hearts. And this week, we've got a very uh, cool topic. going to take a look at some of the things that if you blink, you missed it. And there's only one guy whose knowledge I can test when it comes to blink and you missed it uh, from the TMPT Empire, this podcast feed you're currently listening to. My longtime close personal friend, the one and only Mr. JP, John Paz, joining me tonight. Jonathan, how are you? You're doing good. Thank you for having me on again here. Uh, New generation to classic. Look, if there's one thing you and I have talked about many a times, it's stuff from this era. I mean, just we we lived it, we breathed it, we lived it over again, we breathed it all over again. Uh, the more I do this show, the more stuff grows on me, the more I go back and watch. There's stuff that is popping up that I didn't even know about now. So that's why I got to get you on here to ask you if you remember some of this stuff, because I mean, it, little things, little things that you might some to the layman fan that might be like, Oh, that's so dumb. Who would even notice that anyway? But as somebody who watched back then, I don't know if it's old age. Some of us have a birthday technically as this episode's dropping, but maybe I just forgot it. Maybe you forgot it, but I'd love to see uh, what the deal is just quickly talking new generation and things going on in new generation land. Have you seen some of the finer appreciation for new generation content as of late. Have you seen some of the, uh, some of the new new generation happenings going on? To me, I always think to myself, whenever I see stuff about the new generation era, I was, I always think like we thought at one point in time, like, okay, this is not as good as the attitude era. It's not as good as what was going on in WCW. It's not as good as the Hogan era, not as good as the golden age of WWF. But then you think about it, you're like, yeah, but it's way better than Ruthless Aggression crap, which I know everyone today for some reason loves. I'm like, you guys are freaking nuts. There's some yeah. great, like Benoit, <laughs> the Benoit, Eddie Guerrero stuff is great. But, I mean, you're talking about the Batista stuff and the and the Orton stuff where he's getting buried by Triple H. Like, that kind of stuff, not not so great. Eddie and Benoit, I'll give you. The other stuff is not so great. Lesnar stuff, I'll give you. But that was very, very short-lived, that Lesnar stuff. Uh, the Cena stuff, I'm not going to give you because some of that stuff is pure crap. Yeah. But, but then you like, wow, today's wrestling is like, oh my God, Brett Nolan versus today, you know, uh, Razor, <laughs> Diesel, Shawn Michaels versus the guys of today. Uh, and I wasn't even a big Michaels fan, but if you compare him to the guys of today, it literally is like comparing like uh, the greatest <laughs> thing you've ever seen in your life to like, eh, it's something mediocre. So I don't know. It's crazy. It's like comparing uh, like the Patriots championship team to the current day Giants. I mean, it, <laughs> it, 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 it's not good. It's just crazy. <laughs> but it, it's funny. Like now to really look back, it's like, damn, like it was better than I thought. Like I, I like going back and looking at some of that stuff and like, I'll, I'll pop on, uh, 
the friggin' Steiner brothers versus the heavenly bodies any, any day of the week over some of this stuff I see today. Yeah. They could be athletic and they can do some crazy stuff, but way more invested into, into those guys and what they were doing during the new generation era. Yeah. Oh my God. A thousand percent. And that ruthless aggression era. I mean, look, nothing, nothing to kill it. I mean, those are shows in, you know, our twenties that we go to have a couple pops in the parking lot, you know, have a good time, go in watch a show and then just sit there and be like, what are we watching? <laughs> not yet. It's not as good. Yeah. Some of those shows that just seem to go on forever. Now on the polar opposite side, we go to those ring of honor shows. Those are three and a half hours of just action and just, you know, crazy, uh, good matches, great storytelling, whatever. And those WWF shows in that time were like, Oh my gosh, like pulling teeth. And you go back 10 years where people were saying the business was down and yes, financially the business was down, but just maybe in the ring, we had a little bit better of a crop of talent because that's still the talent that learned from the old guard. And that you see kind of shine through amidst a lot of the flashy crap and the bad gimmicks and bad stipulation matches and shit like that. The only bad thing about New Generation, and Brett makes a great point, so usually the guy from the era before them will pass the torch and you pass the torch and you know you move it on, you do right. your job. So once Brett is the champion... Did he beat Hogan? No. Did he beat Warrior? No. Did they let him beat Savage on WBF TV instead of a house show or, or, right. or a big show in Japan that we weren't even aware of when we were kids? It's like, no. It's like, okay, so you give him the champ. He's the new guard. He beat Ric Flair, who wasn't really an institution in WBF at all, and his title run was pretty crappy, minus the Royal Rumble, which was awesome. But it, it very – and then he loses to Savage in, in the middle of that. So it's just like one of those things like, all right, you wanted this – generation to succeed but you didn't give him the tools to do it plus let's be honest here following hogan stuff you don't think there's going to be a drop-off he's the biggest story exactly. in the history of the business even warrior felt that okay like oh we kind of need this guy back you're feeding with earthquake <laughs> by the way you're we need you back um <laughs> the guy i mean let's face it, he's a god of wrestling for a reason he you're going to have a drop-off so that's funny to think like oh well brett didn't succeed the guy after him didn't succeed and the guy after him and it failed and we did worse and worse. And then Shawn Michaels, it's so bad. They almost went out of business. So <laughs> it, it just, just to me, it's like he didn't get, to, and even Michaels too, like you beat Brett, but where's all the other guys? You know what I mean? Like they and, and, and I get that maybe they weren't there for this reason, that reason, but some of that's on Vince. And I know Hogan maybe oh, didn't, yeah. agree, didn't agree to job to, to Brett or whatever. He'd rather job to Yoko, but Man, you got to do something there to figure it out and say, all right, Warrior, you're coming back. You're losing the Brett. Savage, you're going to feud with Brett on TV. You're losing because Savage wouldn't have cared. He would have done it. Right. So, and I know Savage is begging a few with Michaels at one point. They wouldn't let it happen. So right. a, lot of that, a lot of that falls on Vince, too. So it's like, yeah, I want to be the new generation. Well, you didn't set up the new generation to succeed right away. No, and that's what I talked about last week with the veterans that were kind of interspliced throughout the whole entire new generation. You know, Hogan, obviously, when he popped in, Warrior, Piper, Savage. Like, even though you think of new talent, every one of the classic guys popped in at one point during the new generation. And I picked Ted DiBiase as having the best new generation uh, time of anybody because he was literally a main factor at the beginning. He was a, a tag team champion and he was involved in big storylines to you know, the tail end of when he left the million dollar corporation is all over television, top to bottom. And if you really look at it, SummerSlam 94, and this is why I gave him the nod. He literally has the same storyline going on at two places on the card. He's got the Undertaker, Undertaker. He, oh, did he pay off the Undertaker to, to go heel? And the Luger Tatanka thing. Who did he pay off? It's the same story. He's on both sides of the card. It's like 
man, they love DiBiase and he's the guy that shines of the vets during that time. But what did he do? Did he build anybody? Well, there was a bald guy who he was managing right before he left that ended up becoming the biggest star that they produced up to, you know, when pretty much now. So. Well, yeah. Well, (laughs) <laughs> probably ever besides yeah Hogan. maybe yeah. Uh, besides hogan yeah hogan yeah. and austin and then that's it so uh yeah it's an interesting thing that's a great point uh but talking about things from this thing i i called blink and you missed it because this is stuff that was very short-lived it was stuff that you had to be really watching deep to see and because i like to do uh you know little visuals and i like to show you things that are actually going on with what i'm talking about uh, I'd like to bring up for your review uh, this first picture and see if you uh, remember. Do you remember when and your favorite guy, Ludwig Borga, was on his stretch? That's what we talked about last time you were on. Ludwig Borga. He's he a man. takes out Tatanka out of the 1993 Survivor Series on the road up. So the Foreign Fanatics All-Americans match looked one way leading in and looked another way right before. Do you remember who they they picked as the replacement partner for The Undertaker? Oh, excuse me, for Tatanka. <laughs> well, I know it ends up being uh, The Undertaker, but it's funny that <laughs> if you think about it, Undertaker originally wasn't on that card. You're like, how the hell is that possible? Like, just thinking about it, like, Undertaker's on the card? And it's funny, I was just thinking about it the other day. Um, everyone always says The Warriors. Um, Ultimate Warrior, Kerry Von Erich, and The Road Warriors is the greatest Survivor Series team. Pretty good one. I I was kind of thinking right up there with him, Luger, Undertaker, and the Steiner brothers. Yeah, Series ninety three. Yeah, unbelievable. That is funny though. Like Undertaker, come on, are you kidding me? He wasn't going to be on this card, and for some reason, Pierre's not on that card. And Pierre's John, taking yeah. out for Crush, who's not yeah. even foreign. He's from Hawaii. <laughs> yes. So it's like the foreign fanatics gets a guy who's not foreign, and you replace <laughs> Pierre, who's from Canada. Okay, all right, makes sense. All right, and, yeah. and the two managers are Johnny Polo and Jim Cornette. So I mean, it really <laughs> yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So the blink and you missed it part of the Undertaker joining the All Americans. Do you recall who was doing the in-ring interview? for the segment where the undertaker joins the all Americans. Oh, I don't, I want to say it's Stan lane, which would be awesome if it was, but I don't remember. Do you, so you have no recollection of Howard Finkel in ring interviewer. Wow. I was going to say, I remember the the coat is a USA thing to signify that he's a part of the all Americans. Well, why is Fink in there? I guess somebody, somebody missed a flight or something. It, it's a fascinating, fascinating thing. And, and I feel like the more you think about it, the more you'll see that Fink did little, little drops like this. But he conducts it full-blown, like you would see Mean Gene doing it, or, yeah, Stan Lane a couple years later doing it, or, or you would see uh, anybody, Todd Pettengill. They had Howard Finkel for this giant spot, and he did a good job, but you don't think of Howard Finkel. No, you, not at all. you don't think of in-ring interviewer. You think of ring announcer. So is this kind of a uh, an oddball little uh, side thing that you would never have realized? Yes, like, especially the- when the focus is like, well, why is Undertaker out there with those guys? And then he pulls off the jacket and he's got the flag underneath. Well, really on the in the on the inseam of the jacket. So that gets your attention totally, and that's what you remember. Um, not not Finky baby. Scott Steiner, if you see this picture, he's in, he's impressed. He's looking at technically at the back of the jacket, not the front. <laughs> yes. He doesn't know what they're doing in the front. <laughs> but he's still impressed. But uh, you got to love, too, the little nod. It's the oldie style. Uh, yes. 
yeah. Betsy Ross uh, flag. So it's uh, yeah, it's very cool. But that 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 was again blinking. You missed it. I didn't remember it until I was watching some former uh, content that I hadn't seen in a long time, and it was uh, it was pretty cool to see. Now this one I don't have the video footage of, uh, but this was a WWF Mania exclusive. Ooh. An in-ring interview at the Manhattan Center. So as we recall, they taped the Raws at the Manhattan Center. They would do it old WWF style. They tape a couple in a row and use them a few weeks out, and then they come back and do it all over again. But WWF Mania, when it first debuted, they gave it a little bit more exclusive content. They'd say, here's a match. Here's an interview. Here's this. Do you remember an in-ring interview featuring the reunion of a very regal duo from only a few years prior. I can't say that I do. It's interesting. Well, blinking, you missed it. WWF Mania, I think it's like its fourth or fifth weekend, featured the, re- the reunion of the Macho Man and Sensational Sherry. Wow, why? why? As, a, as a build to the, sh- the Sherry and Luna Vachon match, or that really never even yeah. took place, uh, where... They talk about Kings and they talk about Jerry Lawler. They're ripping on him and sensational Sherry closes out the interview by saying, there's only one King that I will ever recognize in this WWF. And it's the macho King and the crowd goes nuts. The music (laughs) starts and I'm sitting there going like, what, what the hell is this? I've never seen this before. They did some random stuff in that area. And, And sometimes it involved macho man, like survivor series 93. Again, it's like, Okay, that team is awesome with Razor, one, two, three, kid, Marty, and it's like, and the surprise partner, the macho man. You're like, holy crap, what the hell? Of course, he gets eliminated horribly from like Adam Bomb or something, but it's, you're like, come on, that was awesome. He, uh, he gets counted out because he goes after Crush. Right. He pins Diesel. He hits the elbow on Diesel. Diesel's gone. So but big he elimination. Won that match. Come on. They needed a, a big star like him in 93. But let's look at WrestleMania 9. Okay. They were putting Sherry in the corner of Tatanka against Shawn Michaels, who had Luna. Where is (laughs) Sensational Sherry and the Macho Man versus Luna and Shawn Michaels? That's a huge missed opportunity right there. Yeah, well, like we were saying before, you know, uh, Savage was asking for Michaels. He was saying, this guy, I can do so much with him. Like, that's the feud that they wanted. And for some reason, Vince wouldn't pull up a trigger. And, uh, you know, who knows what happened with Savage and Vince and... Who knows what that yeah, Stephanie knows? thing is? If Stephanie thing's even true, uh, I kind of don't believe it at all. I but <laughs> um, I could totally see Savage being like, you know, I got a lot left in the tank here. Eh, let's put you behind the announce booth. Yeah, but you got Hogan wrestling here, WrestleMania nine twice. Like, eh, let's put you behind the announce booth. Come on. Like, <laughs> even if you're gonna have him put over Michaels, like that would have made Michaels instead of him. You know, basically taking three more years to get over. So I mean, that would have he would have been a made man right there. Yes, he would be. Yes, he would be. Um, but you have no recollection of that segment. No, not at all. Wow, that's two, so random. Two for two. I was pretty. See, yeah. I'm telling you, this is the stuff. So random, that, yeah. Why I love doing this show so much is because this is the stuff that gets me energized as a fan to to go back and say, "Holy shit, this is 30 years ago, and I never knew this existed." I watched everything. I, I thought I had everything under wraps up here in the brain, but. I did not. Uh, This is a little side one. This one isn't really, you know, anything like, uh, oh, my God, earth shattering. Just kind of funny because I don't remember it. But do you recall uh, Big Daddy Cool and his very iconic attire? Yes, I remember. Okay. 
He had the tassels, diesel, you know, or it said diesel power. It had Big Daddy Cool. Do you recall? <laughs> this is so random. Again, didn't notice this. Do you remember the ill-fated tire marks on Diesel's attire? Because he's a diesel truck, so his printed singlet is tire tracks. Oh, I gotta say, I don't really remember it being that much white. If if he ever had it, that doesn't look familiar at all. That is weird. It's very yeah. strange. It's just a it, zebra style. Yeah, it, that's weird. It looks zebra, but it's meant to be the diesel tracks. And that's why it's and I had to watch because I thought the same thing when I was watching the match. I was like, oh, you know, it looks like a Zubaz print or something yeah. like that. But no, it's meant to be the diesel truck. It's supposed to be the tire tracks when you look at the attire. And I got to say it lasted one show because you never, ever saw this. And this is ironically in a great match he has with Marty Jannetty. Uh, for wrestling challenge in 1993 and i know Janetti loses that one unfortunately but man that attire that's a that's a misstep right there that is not a a good look for diesel at all it looks like it looks it looks horrible and, and and he still has the mullet in this so his hair's not long yet he just he really looks like a plain old big job guy like what he basically yeah. was in wcw when you see this match with Janetti, who's got the full-blown rocker attire you know the tassels and everything and diesel's got this tire track black you know pants it looked like work pants it was it was very bad not a good mix it's funny like fans today like they give kevin owens a pass and like no look matters and what you're wearing matters like that for diesel uh, obviously somebody sort of like okay this does not look like star written we got big plans for this guy get him out of this zebra outfit uh immediately he's gotta have that good look it was bad now a kind of funny sidebar with marty Janetti is uh Janetti and diesel worked a couple of the european shows around this time which is when marty was fired and <laughs> one of the times was on the loop with diesel one day Diesel showed up to the arena and Marty was fired. <laughs> so it's kind of funny, like yeah. random TV match. And then he'd end up working him on all those European shows. And then one of the times Janetti's fired was during. Diesel. I wonder if Vince is like, I wonder how many times I could fire you. Let's, let's <laughs> see. Cause I believe he holds the record at seven firing. So I wonder if he was just, you know, getting a kick out of it at one point. Who do you like firing more the franchise or, uh, or Marty Janetti? I got to go Shane. You got to love him firing. All right. This will be a match here. I'll bring up and only because, you know, you're such a Brett Mark and uh, you probably have seen it, but for the listeners that haven't, this is just an interesting one. Uh, Do you recall Brett's rematch for the WWF championship against Yokozuna, his first official rematch, which show this took place? Cause I did not remember this specifically. Hmm. I don't remember the show. No, I know I've seen it, but I, now I don't even recall the show. The official rematch between Brett and Yokozuna, and again, it's blink while you missed it because they had all but one week of buildup for it, took place all the way in November of 93 at the WWF's final Survivor Series showdown show building up survivor series on usa so again a, a big show for the time we always look forward to those every year but one week of buildup of television to get to this match that have you ever even seen it if you thought of it, if you thought hard maybe you did but do you remember anything about the match not really no the only thing i really remember is yokozuna only had good matches with brett that's the only kind of thing that I remember. And I know everyone looks back so fondly, but I mean, he was athletic and he's a good worker stuff, but really 
in WWF, it, he did not have that great of a run. I mean, his Undertaker matches were horrible. Uh, the Vader matches, he was so you know, overweight and out of shape. Vader couldn't even really work with him, which is crazy to think that Vader couldn't work with somebody. Only really Brett that was getting good matches yeah. out of him. Even the Luger matches, I, it's just the finish. It's so disappointing. It's just frustrating. What about Macho Man? That match is okay, but... They had a couple good TV matches. Not great, but, you know, serviceable. Like, yeah, too short. Though. Yes, yes. Yeah, way too short. Uh, the finish took place where they basically went into the same finish they had for WrestleMania 9, where he's in the sharpshooter. Yoko's in the sharpshooter. Mr. Fuji gets on the apron to hit Brett with the bucket, the ceremonial salt. Yes. Where, and this is great, remember, it's Survivor Series Showdown 93. Owen Hart costs Bret Hart the match and Yoko wins by DQ because when the referee turns around Owen decks Yokozuna so there's little breadcrumbs in the build to the Owen Hart Bret Hart feud is that the week before Survivor Series he costs Bret the WWF championship on Survivor Series show yes perfect <laughs> amazing right when you think about it <laughs> man that feud is so perfect because Survivor Series he cost him the match then like over Christmas break, you know, they have all those interviews and like superstars and stuff. And, and Brett's like, Oh man, uh, everything is fine. And they're pretending everything is fine. And then you go to the Royal rumble and then it's, it's not fine. It gets worse and worse. Such a great uh, tease at first. And then like total shocker with Owen kicking his leg out from under his leg, which is a great <laughs> quote. Um, it just, I don't know, just perfectly set up. Love that feud. I almost wish that it continued on to WrestleMania 11. Yes. And instead of Backlund and you take Piper out of the equation, get him away from that match. Because uh, uh, Brett Backlund is okay, but with Piper's involvement, it totally ruins the match. And they, they've obviously had better matches. But WrestleMania 11, Brett Owen, the rematch. Yeah. Would have been awesome. And they, they basically are married to each other for the entire run of the new generation because you start to see Owen get kind of intermingled with Brett around SummerSlam after the yep. Jerry Lawler uh, thing. But earlier in the year, remember, Razor Ramon beats up Owen Hart in the build for their uh, title match, which was cool because they didn't really interact at all on yeah. television. But from Survivor Series 93 to when I basically capped the new generation around the time the Titantron debuts when the Hart Foundation forms and that great pro i just watched it the great promo where brett i need you yeah <laughs> owen davy i need you and oh, Owen's crying cry. yeah, awesome, oh, it's the yeah. best it's so cool uh so yeah they're married the entire new generation and they all go back to it every iteration of, of brett as champ or owen as a tag champ they always seem to make them their way back to each other and that's the beauty of what they did back then booking wise that where did this all go now why can't we re replicate this anymore Hey, Pat Patterson's not around anymore. So. He's not. He has to have a book somewhere that they could have copied stuff off of. So just a little sidebar to the Owen uh, interference in that match. Do you remember Brett and Owen tagging prior to Survivor Series where Brett is in his full, you know, Bret Hart gear and Owen is still in the blue in the rocket? Ooh, no. I, was, I thought you might go for that Steiner no, match. No, no before all that. <laughs> Owen still decked out in the full blue Rocket Owen Hart. Uh, I just found a match. Again, blinking, you missed it. Didn't know it existed. The Hart brothers taking on Well Done on that's Superstars. That's awesome. Damn, yeah. that's awesome. I don't recall it. That's awesome. Damn. Yeah. No, it's See, there, good. There's so much good stuff. I love doing that, too. Even watching, like, some of the Japan stuff, like, WWF going over, like, holy shit, that's right. You know, this happened, like, Sa a Savage versus Brett. Oh, my God, that happened. With, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Just really cool to kind of find 
matches that you think didn't exist, but they're out there. It's awesome. I love well done. Yeah. No, again, blinking. You missed it. That's uh, I, I didn't know that they had team prior to survivor series, uh, but it is great. Like, you know, the, how they're Bobby Heen is just ripping on the Hart brothers the whole time. It's, it's, it's really cool. So, all right, another visual for you. What do you think of when you see this guy? Yes. Oh God, Brucey. What a horrible gimmick. I don't get what he was going for here. I mean, you, know, you just, I try, I mean, with the mustache, whatever, are you trying to secretly make fun of Dusty? Are you? I like, what are you going for here? And and Vince's face is great. So, like, come on, pal. So, for the visual, it's Rio Rogers. And yeah. we've talked about Rio Rogers on here very briefly because that's really all it deserves is a very brief uh, comment. Uh, but the thing that I blink and you missed it, and, and I didn't realize this. So, Rio Rogers is a is Bruce's imitation of Dusty Rhodes in a Texas getup in a. I guess you say some sort of cowboy uh, uh, on crack kind of thing. Not a cowboy on steroids, a cowboy on crack. Do you remember Rio Rogers as a color commentator? Not really. I figured he had to have been because I remember like this picture vividly and I remember doing the imitation and hearing him. So I figured he had to have been if he was doing this, uh, this stand up here with Vince. Because usually they, they do his fake stand up and right. whoever is doing the fake stand up does the commentary when oh let's go to the ring i didn't remember him as a commentator i remembered him as an interviewer and doing rio's roundup on the platform like me and gene would and, yeah. I, and I didn't recall him being in the booth it is unbearable <laughs> to Who listen thought, to. like that would be a good idea because, well the guy on the right <laughs> i guess he sold it to vince but I mean my god what a disaster obviously yeah. vince thought better of it eventually but man what a disaster do you think he sold it to, to vince or do you think vince was like you know it would be so funny if we just made fun <laughs> of dusty all for one hour straight <laughs> they are obsessed with Dusty. you ever wonder why why are they were i, I do uh to carry on the uh the feud with his uh with his family now i'll give you a, i got a little trivia question for you uh rio's roundup okay the, the talk show of Rio Rogers, not a very long lasting one. Cause I think Rio Rogers was around for like a month. Do you recall the first guest of Rio's roundup? Wow. Damn. I'm like, Oh, for the century here. No, I don't remember <laughs> that. <laughs> well, the first guest was technically uh, multiple guests. It took place at the quote heart house. <laughs> really? They, they, wow. <laughs> His first guest were a fake Stu and Helen Hart <laughs> as the build for Shawn Michaels and his Knights taking on Bret Hart and the Hart brothers. Shawn Michaels joined Rio Rogers at the quote Hart house as they looked at a mural of Bret and a very tiny picture of Owen on the wall at the Hart house. Again, to give you breadcrumbs to build for the Bret Hart yeah. Owen Hart yeah. feud. I always wish that they kept the Knights around a little bit longer. I think that was a, a good gimmick, good little stable. It, it's funny, on the commentary leading up to all this stuff, Rio Rogers says, I know who all the Knights are, and we'll find out who they are in due time. So I wonder, did they have a grand mm. plan? I mean, we know Terry Funk was supposed to be one, but his horse was sick, so he couldn't uh, He couldn't make it. Yeah, Greg the Hammer Valentine uh, yep. was another one. Jeff Gaylord, right? Yep. Uh, who was was the other one? Uh, Barry Horowitz. Barry Horowitz. I was gonna say Barry Hardy, but it was Barry Horowitz. Yeah. So. But it's funny because 
Funk really? I know Valentine at that point you're thinking, all right, maybe he's <laughs> past his prime, but I mean Funk is too, but it's like no, he's way too much of a legend to do that. So he definitely was like, Yeah, uh, Vince, you know, piss off. I'm not doing it. My horse is sick or whatever. Obviously, another <laughs> way of saying F you to Vince. Uh how about we're gonna go uh, to Music City now? I got a couple of uh J E double F J A double R E double T double J. Yes. Jeff Jarrett on his way to take over not the WWF, the double J F. Yep. We have, we have a very long history with double J. Uh, great, a great guest of many, many years. Uh, yes. Great ally. Absolutely. Uh, what do you remember about double J's debut in the WWF? Uh, the great music, the great hat, the great over-the-top voice, the J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T, um, him just being over-the-top, really, as a heel. Great debuts, the vignettes in front of uh, the Grand yes. Old Opry. Yep, in so, Nashville doing all yeah, that stuff. All yeah. the sites around Mostly, Nashville. Um, as Jeff was saying on his podcast, there was all run and gun. I love they that. Wouldn't, <laughs> they wouldn't get clearance or anything, any sort of uh, – whatever you need, I guess a permit or whatever you might need to film run and gun. Here's a grand old Opry, Jeff, you know, you're going to say, right. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> One take. Let's go. So, uh, during those vignettes, you know, and building up the country music star, uh, they take a tour of the recording studio that double J is working in. And, you know, they do, they'd have a couple guys around the soundboard and double J would be pointing his way. Oh, I'm coming into the double J F and blah, blah, blah. Well, he's got his own little Priscilla with him. And I think this is very, very ironic. <laughs> Making her WWF debut as part of the entourage for Double J Jeff Jarrett was Winona at the time. Do you know who Winona was? And I think he just talked about this in the podcast, and I don't remember. It was Miss Jackie, Jacqueline Moore. He did mention that because he was saying he has a long history with Jackie. She's one of the toughest women he's ever met in his life, legit and stuff. Maybe some he loves other things. <laughs> he loves it. That are rumored. Uh, yeah, can you believe that? I, I never, ever knew up until just watching these vignettes recently. Miss Jackie was a part of the original entourage for uh, Double J, but then known as Winona. That, you know, obviously she's very distinct in the way she looks. And that voice is unmistakable. Uh, yeah, just a part of the entourage and talking him up while he's in the recording studio. I couldn't believe it. Pretty cool. And like one of those little Easter eggs, it's like, you wouldn't think that. And then having her be that character and be around Double JF. And for all those years, be a part of the WWF attitude. And then, you know, uh, with Mark Merrow. And then she's a tough enough uh, coach. And she had a pretty damn good lengthy career and I, is she a hall of famer or is she uh is she I officially she is yeah, yeah I she is all right well i have a visual now for you uh for do you remember <laughs> so when now the top falls off from the editor yes <laughs> now that's what i'll send you after the show <laughs> uh so he <laughs> double j had a a very memorable uh early part of his run only because it was filled with a lot of mediocre moments there wasn't that push that would eventually come around the time at end of 94 into early 95 from when he debuts to about that point he's just kind of here he's not doing anything uh but one of his most memorable uh feuds was with who razor ramon before that before that 
I'm talking about on his rise up. Do you remember who is his one of his more memorable feuds was with? Don't say Mabel, please. Don't say Mabel. <laughs> I think it was actually technically <laughs> after he references this in his shoot promo. Oh, um, Doink. Doink the clown. Yeah. Oh. yeah I'm just gonna give you this visual. So bad. That was so he, stupid. Uh because if there's one person I know who likes to see uh, pranks pulled on people who don't innocently know who's pulling the prank, do you recall the moment <laughs> that Double J dressed up as Doink and pummeled the shit out of Dink <laughs> with pies and uh, loaded weapons on the platform with Jerry Waller? <laughs> it's so funny. You know, I should remember this because this is awesome, but I do I don't remember. That's that. great. Look at this. He, he he teases hitting Lawler with the pies. He turns yeah. and he hits Dink, but in full Doink mannerisms. So the whole crowd's buying into the, oh my God, Doink is, is turning heel and Vince is selling it on commentary like his mother just got hit with the yeah. pie, screaming, <laughs> Doink's going back to his evil ways. It's it's unbelievable. But I mean, you know, I'm not just going to have us sit here and watch wrestling for a couple of minutes, but you know, yeah. it's just, it's classic to see. Yeah, you know, that's great. What a turn. Oh, my God. Doink is turning. Oh, no, it's Double J. But you see, like, he doesn't look like Double J. Yeah, not at all. He's acting weird. Yeah, yeah. He's acting like a nutty uh, Ray Apollo there. Yeah. And you get in the face, you can see it. I'm going to pour yeah. I'm going to just move it up a little bit. As you see, they, I, I hope I didn't miss it. They kick Dink off the platform. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. Let me see where it is. Here it is. So they spray him with the whipped cream, which had to be nasty. I'm sure Vince was probably laughing his ass off. Yep. But like, like, oh no, he falls off the platform. Oh, he fell. He takes pretty, pretty wicked bump from that platform to the concrete, and they reveal uh, just a, a few moments later that it wasn't Doink. It was indeed Double J. There's the blonde locks. Yep. And the unmistakable uh, face, and he cuts a, a Jeff Jarrett promo. But did you remember this as part of this storyline? No, not at all. And then it's funny because he was talking about how he. Didn't really care for the feud with Doink, but he goes all in on it and, and get and is invested in it and puts on the, the face paint and everything. So he did business when he had to do business, even though he didn't want to. Yeah, and I think he uh I don't know if he jobbed to Doink or there was something that was, was a TV match that Doink was involved in that started this. And I thought this was really sweet, but it didn't really go anywhere. And again, for Jeff Jarrett, he had a kind of mediocre time rising to that intercontinental status where you know yep. I think he kind of belonged from the start. Uh, yeah, and you mentioned the feud with Mabel, and I mean, I've we really don't need to talk about that country music versus rap. It would be done much better in WCW about six years later. Oh, we yeah, I closed it out before he did the strut and the uh, the doink uh, makeup. <laughs> uh, I got one more for you, and it's going to be another visual. I'm just checking my list twice here to make sure. Yeah. Uh, this one. I'm not going to oversell this. I'm just going to tell you straight. You've known me for almost 20 years. This one blew my fucking mind because I had no idea that this took place. And I don't know if you did. If you did, you probably tell me you did and make me look stupid now. Yes. I know you'll probably get a good laugh at that. But WrestleMania, the album. Great, okay? album. Great, Great album. album. I did a whole episode with Randy Helms. About hey, Randy, okay. what's going on, buddy? Randy Helms and I broke down uh, each track individually, strengths, weaknesses. Who better to talk about music than Randy Helms, right? right. Go back in the right. archive if you want to hear it. Absolutely. The title track, WrestleMania, the album. 
Okay. As in line at the beginning of it. <laughs> and this is so deep folks. I I'll take the big M just tattoo it somewhere on my forehead. That says, are you ready for the survivor series? I actually know this. Okay. All right. I and I figured you would yes. look, you went over the show. I'm glad you know this one because you, maybe you'll have a little more insight into it. The gorgeous one himself. Oh, dude. What the hell is Jimmy Garvin doing in the WWF on yep. the build to Survivor Series 92 as a as a heel supposed, I guess, commentator of some sort? And it's really more of a – the thing here was like it's more of a tryout than anything. Tryout, yeah. So why would you ever take drops from a tryout and put it on an actual licensed and merchandised – vehicle makes no he, sense he has no idea what he's doing when he's out here he's not looking at the camera me and gene's pointing him in the other direction and he drops the line are you ready for the survivor series and when i saw jimmy garvin wwf debut in 1992 rare i was like holy shit i didn't know this existed i color me shocked when i heard that line because i had to go back and listen again and i go what what did they do and this is my assumption as they go on by the way and this is on youtube i'll put this in the the drop for the episode this is about a six minute cringe segment of double entendre between jimmy garvin and mean gene just <laughs> sex jokes about eating box and you know mean gene touching little kids and fucking his mother-in-law like it just random random stuff i mean it is it's terrible and the, jimmy garvin did not deserve a job after this tryout it's bad it's really really bad but my assumption is this and you would be a great one to to test this assumption on i'm guessing when they put the footage together for wrestlemania the album that they gave the creators of the video x number of footage and this footage happened to be on it and this is what they use and maybe along the line, they thought somebody else was going to say it. And they're like, ah, nobody said it is quite as good as this guy. Let's just use it. Because they probably have no idea that he's not really. A, yeah, no clue. Them. Yeah, they have no idea. Because Tony Schiavone's voice is heard on the SummerSlam jam. And Tony Schiavone had been gone from the company for three years. But you look at little things like the Bulldog is all over it. And he was out of the company. He was in WCW when the album came out. And little things, guys who were leaving were featured very prominently. But freaking gorgeous Jimmy Garvin. Yeah, no synergy there whatsoever. It's so weird. What what, what was he going to do in 90, 92 into 93 in, in this role as a heel commentator? He did not fit at all. I guess they thought he did because he was kind of more of a sports entertainer-ish guy. Or Vince probably could think that he could mold him into that role. But yeah, he did not fit there at all. And how about, the, how about the fact that about a year and a half later, his buddy... Michael P.S. Hayes would come in and give him the name Doc Hendricks and have a unprecedented 25, almost 30 year run in the company where gorgeous Jimmy Garvin, man, maybe he was originally supposed to be Doc Hendricks for all we know. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy to think about that. Michael Hayes, though, more of a mind for the business, though, I would say more of a creative genius type than uh, Jimmy Jam. And, and and Jimmy Garvin also had a tryout as an agent in the mid two thousands and didn't last. So he just was not meant to work in WWF WWE. Tim Horner lasted longer than he did. <laughs> that's a, that's a great comparison, but yeah, I, uh, again, and this is what I was saying at the top of the show. This is the fun part about doing this is being able to go back and see that I could put together a two 
sided list of stuff that I couldn't believe I had either maybe forgotten, put out of my mind. But in the case of the Jimmy Jam Garvin segment, I just never knew existed. And we're not talking house show matches that you didn't know, or you're not, you know, uh, a spot on a television show that you missed, something like that. That's something that everybody can come across. I found a uh, Shawn Michaels on the Canadian Home Shopping Network, a two-hour block where the guy pisses off Shawn Michaels to the point where Shawn Michaels just just shoots on the guy, like rips on him with every single uh, chance he gets. But like, I'm not even talking that. I'm talking on television. This is pretty cool to see this stuff, and I think you would agree that I got you on almost every one of them. Yeah. Pretty good stuff there. Pretty random as hell stuff. Maybe stuff WBF wanted you for to forget about over the years too, because they did not mention hardly any of this stuff ever again. The only thing I'll give it is that all of this stuff took place in '92 and '93, and and a little bit of '94. Nothing past that. There wasn't really anything. I mean, you know, I could have brought up Chris Benoit, but obviously, I knew you would have known that one. Blinking, you missed it. Benoit with Ted DiBiase. Uh, just wasn't really anything else I felt penetrated this list. These were pretty solid, uh, but I would love to hear more. If there's stuff that you think I might not know, if you don't think John knows, let's hear it because uh, sometimes the people who are listening have better thoughts than the guys recording the show. Sometimes, sometimes. sometimes. Hey, some people know some random stuff or they were at a random show that they tried something out at and you never saw it again because it failed or it didn't go quite as well or didn't get the reaction. So sometimes you'll see something at a house show and then you'll never see it get the light of day. What do you think? This is just a, a very abstract question and it doesn't have to stick to this era. What do you think the most random thing is that you ever saw that didn't catch on that you thought probably would have at the time of seeing it live? Hmm. It's a good question, man. I'm not sure. Hmm, that's a good one. I don't know. For some reason, I thought the, uh, not that this was like live, but obviously I've seen him wrestle live, but I always thought the heavenly bodies would catch on more in WWE. I don't know why they, they kind of didn't. I know they were doing Smoky Mountain at the, at the same time, but no, I kind of thought they would catch on more. Um, man, I'm trying to think of like just a random gimmick or like random, like silliness. Uh, not like seeing black Bart at a house show and, you know, early WWE. Like, oh, I can't believe, can't believe Bart didn't get more of a run on TV. Like, can't think of anything really um i'm sure I, off the air i'll think of something but um yeah there's there's some stuff out there though i'm, I'm sure that people have seen that they're like man I, that could have been something or oh you know i'm never gonna see that again thank god yeah there's a lot of random stuff i mean yeah it's like i said it was just kind of an abstract question that really it has no uh marriage i'm sure if you find, think of something let me know just uh shoot me a text and uh you wake up at three o'clock in the morning in a cold sweat just uh let me know just text me around six um, but no, man, I appreciate you uh, coming on to talk about it because uh, I'd love to stump the buoy, if you will. And yes. uh, <laughs> I got a couple notches on that belt tonight. Yes. All right. Uh, all right. Well, before we say goodbye uh, and we plug everything that's going on on this channel, TMPT Empire, uh, what do you want people to do? They obviously hear you on every other show, but just for the sake of uh, transparency, where do you want everybody to go to check you out? Uh, very easy. Just follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip and check out the website tmptempire.com. All the info is on there and all the shows uh, and everything else, interviews and everything else that is coming out. You can follow me on the social media platforms and everything will be listed on there and all the shows that will come out will be on, on there as well. I think this TMPT Empire thing is going to last. Yes. 
call me crazy from the two guys that that created this thing uh it's always a pleasure to have you on and talk to you one-on-one i know we don't get to do it as much as we did in the past but nonetheless if there's one guy i think i can hang with in this wrestling world it's this guy because we've done it a million times even before these microphones are turned on so uh, i appreciate you coming on buddy it's always uh, it's fun to talk to you we'll catch you on the triple threat podcast with the franchise Shane Douglas and myself on the Russo brand. If you want to follow me, it's at Chad EMB on uh, Twitter, on Instagram. It's at IB exclusives. I had to get fancy and, and change it up. I didn't want to marry nice. the two, uh, but you know, you can follow me on there. And again, I really loved uh, doing this tonight with uh, my good old brother from another mother and the two man power trip of wrestling podcasting empire JP. So for John Paz, this is your old buddy, the Chadster. We will catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.